Hello and welcome to Tour of Truth with Christine Company. Today's company is Tim Buck, prophecy teacher with Fotet Ministry. Tim, welcome. Thank you, Krista. It's so great to be with you again on Tour of Truth podcasts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray you'll open our eyes to the wondrous things and behold them out of your law today that we'd glorify you in our speech, our talk, and that, Lord, today you'd open us up to hear what you have to say to us. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So from the Greek word eschatos comes eschatology, and it's the doctrine of last things or end times. It's all about Jesus, right, Tim? Absolutely. How can you miss the cornerstone of Bible prophecy? You can talk a lot about a lot of things, but the centerpiece of the end times is the Lord Jesus Christ returning and him being glorified in this world. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 tells us that we should encourage one another with these words and study eschatology with hope and joy. But we can't turn our study of his return into a catalog of events where we get more concerned about determining the relationship between the universal barcode and the mark of the beast than worshiping the lamb that was slain, right? Yeah, more interested in the characteristics of Antichrist than right? the Lord, and missing the characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to know prophecy. He wants us to know that Antichrist is coming. But the glory of God is what has to be presented as we teach and talk about Scripture and especially the end time. In the end times, there'll be mockers. And as a result of that, we see in our churches today a genuine fear of even talking about the end times, a genuine lack of wanting to to teach about the end times. So how can we really know the Lord Jesus Christ and understand his word without understanding the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation? And churches aren't doing that anymore. Churches aren't interested in discussing what's going on in America, what's going on in the Middle East in regard to these things. And it's a shame at the time when we need it the most, at the time when we need a voice, at the time when we ought to be describing what's going on in our world, the church is the most silent instrument out there. We're not really motivating God's people because we're not giving them the full counsel of God's word and he was the one who spoke about it. Absolutely. You know another error that I see is this concept of mysterious codes in the Bible that nobody else has ever figured out. What does the number 100 mean in the word of God? Or what does this letter mean in the word of God? Or what is 666? And what is the secret hidden code in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all of that? Listen folks, God wants us to know the Bible. God wants us to understand his word. And and so when you hear some guy saying he's got a book of something that nobody else has ever heard before, I wouldn't waste my money on buying that. Some people get off on the wrong side of the tracks when they're basing beliefs on near-death experiences. There's even books that have been written about that. You know, people have gone to the other side, they say, and have had these experiences, or Jesus has told them this when they were on the operating table, and he caught them up. Different experiences we hear about. And not to say that those things didn't happen, but I don't know. I think we have to be really careful with that. You know, there's lots of YouTube videos out there. We can get caught up all in the idea of people talking about these experiences. Our culture tends to prefer a child's dream about heaven rather than the truth of God's word. You know, there's something interesting in God's word about that, Krista, that you're making a really good point. Very few people have gone to heaven and back.
back, but one apparently that did is the Apostle Paul. And we find that, I think it's in 2 Corinthians 12, and the way that he describes that is, you can tell he doesn't want to talk about it. He says, I've heard a language that nobody's supposed to talk about now that I've been in heaven. And Paul is very shy about the details on that, and he said it's an extremely humbling experience, and that's why he got that affliction in the flesh, because he didn't want people to realize that the Lord had lifted him up, given him new revelation about the church, about what was coming in the New Testament. He really backed away from ever talking about that except that one little testimony in 2 Corinthians. And so when people write books and books and books about what they did and who they saw, and they saw a horse, and they saw a cow, and they saw an angel, and they saw <laughs> this and that in heaven, and we're all supposed to buy it, I'm not so sure that's the real way that God wants us to treat those types of experiences. There's a lot of dynamic individuals teaching prophecy today that believe different views. And we would say whether we're pre-tribulational, pre-millennial, amillennial, it's just going to pan out, so we call them pan-millennialists. But the fact is that those things, for the most part, should not separate believers. And those things, for the most part, should not offend people. If you get offended because somebody else doesn't quite see an eschatological position as you believe, you need to kind of check yourself where your humility is. Most of the things in the Word of God are fairly clear, fairly easy to understand, and of course, we've been studying them for 40 years. We say it like that. But there's a lot of people that think, you know, we might not all be raptured before the tribulation, or we might be partially through the tribulation, etc. And, and I want to stop and say, you know, where you said things are fairly clear, there are also a lot of people that believe they understand the Bible, but they're looking at it academically. The Word of God tells us we cannot understand the Bible academically. It is only a book to be spiritually discerned. So yes, what you're saying, I totally agree with that when we have the Holy Spirit, we're going to understand this fairly easily. The Bible says to test the spirits. Not everyone is of the Lord. So it says that when someone is speaking and they're not speaking according to this word, there's no light in them is actually what it says. We do need to consider and discern who we are listening to and is it lining up with the word of God. Exactly. Another error that I think is common, I'm sure we're all aware of this, of setting dates or getting close to setting dates. Right. I remember it was wise and not in 1988 who wrote the treatise 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988 (laughs) and how many people bought into that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Christians bought into that sold everything that they have of course this problem has occurred probably every decade or so somebody decides to set a date for the coming of the Lord we know that nobody knows the day nor the hour that doesn't preclude us from knowing that we're in the season of the Lord's return and it also doesn't preclude us from watching and looking for it because he even says that there is a crown stored up for those that eagerly anticipate his return. Not only that, Paul says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much more when you see the day is approaching, Hebrews 10.25. So we're supposed to know when the season is. We're supposed to know when we're in the end times. People shouldn't ridicule Bible prophecy teachers because they think we're getting close to the return of the Lord. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the New Testament that we're supposed to be discerning and know the times of those seasons, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. But setting dates, that's a disaster. We don't even get close to that. And we really don't want to follow anybody that sets dates 
dates or sort of sets dates and backs away from it, that's always going to cause confusion and not honor the Lord. You know, another thing that comes to mind for me is failing to remember that Jesus did describe the signs of the age. Just like what you were saying, if it's wrong to set dates based on wars or rumors of war, it's also a mistake to be unsettled by them. God's people shouldn't be surprised or dismayed by political unrest or natural disasters. Christ told us that they would come. You know, it's amazing to me that our churches don't grasp the point you're making. The longest sermon in the New Testament by the Lord Jesus Christ is the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, and it's 100% about the signs of the end times. Jesus taught it. The disciples discussed it. They asked him questions about it. He wanted us to know about it. And when he returns to speak to John on the Isle of Patmos, he closes the whole New Testament, puts the capstone on the Word of God, and reveals exactly what the times of the end are like, what the tribulation is like, what the millennial kingdom is like. How can the church avoid seeing that and not understand that Jesus was the master teacher on the calendar of this world and all the events that we're watching right now? It's a fantastic thing to increase your faith in the Christian life. It's a great testimony to the world that God said something and now it's coming to pass. And Paul says, when you see these things, comfort one another with it. Mm -hmm. And so the church is missing a major part of teaching the word of God and comforting the saints by missing the study of the end times. And praise God that it's not every church that's missing it. But, you know, I do agree with you. It's the church with a capital C. It's the general church. And I hope that someone listening, that pastors listening, would have a bold spirit about them, that they would pray and seek the Lord on this. Absolutely. You know, Tim, I also think that if we embrace optimism or pessimism about current events in an extreme way, we can go off into the ditch. Good point. Like you said, everybody has different views within the body of Christ, and we've got post-millennialism, which has been wildly optimistic about the direction of history, and on the other end of the spectrum, we've got premillennialism, which has occasionally you know, espoused a pessimistic mentality that leaves little room for the possibility of revival or Christians being salt and light. And since we know that we've already gotten victory over evil with Jesus on the cross, he's now on the throne. And our mood about eschatology should be optimism, Christian optimism, meaning that we view no world crisis as totally beyond help and no social trend as absolutely irreversible. It means that we live in hope, and a hope that's built on faith that expresses itself in love. You know, that's a great point, Krista. Bible prophecy is the blessed hope. We're looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't want to be known for making wild, speculative, prophetic pronouncements. It's a source of hope for all believers. Jesus is coming again. What we're hoping is that while people listen to these broadcasts, they'll be illuminated and enlightened with the Word of God, expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to come back at any hour and at any moment. One last thing before we close up. What about calling the book of Revelation, Revelations? Oh, you know, you know that one always gets me. I sometimes ask people that. Have you ever read the book of Revelation? And they'll say, oh, no, I don't do revelations. I'll say, it's not revelations. It's just one revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Potato, potato. But it is kind of important there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so if you've been listening and you would like to hear more or hear us again, you can find us at tourofruth.com. I believe our next podcast, we might just share a little more about what the Lord had to say about preaching the gospel into all the world and what Tim's thoughts are on that. Thanks again, Tim. Thank you so much, Krista. Mm-hmm.